it's weird because like I'm assuming all of this is made up, like all of this backstory. But they're like his spirit animal is the jaguar, and I was like, well, couldn't he just be like Prince Jaguar? <laughs> yeah, why is he? I mean, those are the same thing, right? A jaguar and a puma. Yeah, right. I assume they were different things. <laughs> I think, I think they're the same. No, I think jaguars and pumas are different. Jaguars are with spots, and pumas are black, right? Puma versus jaguar. I, I'm, I'm pretty Googling. sure jaguars are sleeker, and then pumas are kind of like slightly thicker. Is this? a black panther a jaguar? Black panther. <laughs> sorry, well, pumas I'm, and jaguars, but like pumas. This is become National Geographic explainer, right, and we yes, are much worse at We gotta that. list all the big cats. Leopard. <laughs> <laughs> Panther is a versatile word that can refer to puma, to j- leopards, jaguars, or mountain lions. I feel like, I feel like they're all kind of the same. But yes. like, I mean, they're all the, the same. The fact species. that we are even <laughs> questioning this is an example of why they should have just said his spirit animal is a puma. Yeah, like, why yeah. are they even introducing this dissonance? Even, even if they are the exact same thing, the fact that they decided to like, well, let's go with the synonym is an interesting choice. It's a weird choice. I'm pretty sure pumas and jaguars are different. I do not want to keep having this, this I love this discourse, but I agree that we should move on. <laughs> Hello and welcome to WrestleSplania, this show where Kath Barbadoro, a wrestling ent- enthusiast, introduces me, Rachel Millman, to the wonderful world of wrestling. Hi, Kath. Hi, how are you? Good. This is our first like AM recording, I think. I think so, yeah. This it's- is an early morning for us. It is 11 o'clock. <laughs> so, you know, bright I and early. I didn't say early. I said... <laughs> A.M. Technically A.M. A.M. And it is, uh, we're doing this uh, not from our normal location, yeah. but a previous recording location That's true, that's true. Uh, we are doing it from producer Nate's parents' house Yep. the morning before we go to American Rana. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this episode uh, is a little bit of a deviation for us from our, from our norms, mm-hmm. I guess, because there's nothing really normal about anything that we watch <laughs> at this point. Um, it is about Lucha Underground. Yeah, and uh, we have a special guest today to uh, help us delve into this really crazy, awesome world of Lucha Underground. We have our producer, Nate, finally on microphone. Hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> it's so exciting. weird. It's so weird to introduce you because you're just always here. So yeah. it's like, yeah. hey, how are you? This is going to be interesting because I don't have headphones on to monitor audio. and I can't like make any markers. Like... I'm very much out of my element at the moment. Mm. You seem you seem relatively comfortable. Yeah, you have good body yeah. language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's all right. We'll, we'll get comfortable. Maybe we should do 11 a.m. early morning recordings more. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be opposed. Yeah. Um, the last time we did an early morning recording was the first half of our WrestleMania. Oh right. When we were in New Orleans and we like woke up. And I had and the funniest voice. Yeah, we were sitting. We were sitting on a bed recording. <laughs> we, we tried to get as much info out because we like our schedule was so packed that weekend. We we're like, we need to record something, but we're always either exhausted or doing something. Yeah, and it was the morning after spring break, I think, mm-hmm. where I was like, "What happened?" <laughs> like the entire time. Uh, but yeah, and- tell us about your like 
I think you have an interesting perspective as a person who has produced all of our episodes. This is like episode 32 or something like yep. that. So you've been around for all of this, but like you still don't really know anything about wrestling. Yeah, I, it goes <laughs> in one ear and out the other almost every single time. That, you know, there's a handful of wrestlers and events that like I finally retained. Who do you remember? So I remember like... Kenny, obviously, and like most of like the New Japan guys you talk about, if you give me like a little bit of a reminder. Right. Well, you coined the like you kept calling Yano the frog man. Yeah. So you have like some memory of some of it. (laughs) I my favorite anecdote about that is that we were watching something the day after the Naito episode came out and Naito was on TV and he was like, who's that? I don't know who that is. And I was like, okay, you know the guy we did an entire episode about just now that you just edited? And he was like, oh, that one. I'm- the dog from Futurama. Right. <laughs> I think you might be a visual learner. I'm absolutely not an auditory learner. Okay. Like, like nothing. I, as soon as I finish editing, I'm, I'm, it's gone. It's out of my head. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, we've talked about this off microphone before. Like, I want to produce something where it's like, well, this makes sense to me as somebody who has maintained zero knowledge. Totally. I think it's like a, a blessing that you are not like as into this as we are for sure. And also you're a, a fucking trooper for going all this stuff with us as someone who like, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, speak for you, but like who more or less doesn't really care about this that much. Like if we weren't doing the show, you probably wouldn't watch. Yeah, it's, I've gone to like plenty of live stuff. I'd like, I'm blessed to have seen like some really cool stuff, like regardless of the fact that I don't always understand it or know who they are. (laughs) But yeah, if you guys like vanished, if you got like purged or something (laughs) or raptured, you know, one or the other. I love that you went with purged first. Do you even watch those movies? I was trying to think of the the leftovers. Oh. You wouldn't, if we got purged, you wouldn't go to wrestling to try to keep our memory alive? Oh no. I mean, first of all, I would, stay home if there's a if we're in a purge scenario <laughs> not going out to any live shows <laughs> but no i probably wouldn't seek this out on my own yeah like even after i've been exposed to it <laughs> but, but this was but this you I sought did. out on your own yeah. but yeah that's this is why this is all interesting is that you started watching lucha underground without us and was like this is you were like this is really cool i like this a lot yeah, it was it was actually shout out to the WrestleSplania Discord because that's where it kind of first piqued my interest. Someone was describing it and I was like, Well, this sounds interesting. How did they describe it? Um they were just talking about how it's like production wise, kind of like somewhere around like a sci fi original or like CW type show mm. with like sort of similar like uh kind of hokey drama. <laughs> but then they also like fight each other and I was like well that's cool as someone who has watched my share of like terrible television and movies I was like all right I, I'm like familiar with that kind of corny factor and like those like you know cheesy production values I can get behind we watch a lot of Riverdale we so. watch a lot of Riverdale <laughs> I watched the first season of The Flash on CW yeah um, have you watched what? Arrow I watched a lot. I watched the first three seasons of Arrow. Because there's wrestlers in Arrow. I have to rewatch because like 
I think like the main guy is a wrestler. Let me let me look up um what he actually who he plays. See, I wasn't sure if it was something in like the WrestleSplania part of your life or like the intensely weird things you do to our Netflix algorithm <laughs> because <laughs> like you recognize Johnny Mundo from like a movie you from like a made for TV movie you watched and like I genuinely was like oh he finally watched enough weird movies about talking dogs that like Johnny Mundo was in this so he was yeah. also in Lucha Underground <laughs> in, I really thought it was that <laughs> in my defense that movie has a wrestling Jack Russell Terrier but <laughs> He doesn't talk. What's this movie called? It's called, I think it's called Russell Fever. Oh, shit. That sounds great. It's a wrestling Jack Russell. There's a talking monkey who's his manager. (laughs) That rules. And yeah, apparently. We have to do an episode about this. We should do an episode about that. (laughs) You just lit up. I will say, uh, I looked it up. Uh, Stephen Amell, who plays, he plays Green Arrow on Arrow as a professional wrestler. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Also, Cody Rhodes has been in Arrow. But okay. I think recent seasons. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so Good what... for Cody and his weirdly long arms, which are the only thing I notice about him now. <laughs> <laughs> what about what what about this did you like? Because not only did you it pique your interest to hear about, right. then you started watching it and you watched like a bunch of episodes. Yeah, so I so I tuned in and as we've covered, I don't know anything about wrestling, let alone lucha. Like the rich history is completely lost on me, and I yeah. understand that I'm missing out on that entirely. But um, it's just like it, like it's an introduction to that world, and like I feel like I'm approaching it the way whoever was like, we need to get this on Netflix intended. Like, yeah. I'm a complete newcomer to it. I don't know what I'm looking at. So like everything I'm consuming is coming directly from the program that they've set up, and they've got commentary and narration that really spells things out for you Mm -hmm. in a way that's really helpful for me a guy who retains nothing (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we watched um we watched a bunch of episodes from the first season um you nate and rachel you guys watched like some from the beginning right nate was way more tuned in than i was i you've been kind of putting them on you kind of put it on as background noise while you were editing an episode of this show <laughs> which like i just want to reiterate how much adhd nate and i have between us and the fact that you like did these two things and not only did like edited the episode well because like again we have to say like he he does a phenomenal job he does the a really role. good job it's there's the way that these are recorded and the way that they sound when you listen to them are very different <laughs> <laughs> i'll say that uh, um i like when we have the peaks behind the curtain like the cats crashing over but um the fact that you did this well and then we're like wait i really enjoy this and you just just put it on one day i think i wasn't even home and i just came home and you were watching lucha and i was like was there an episode that i did not see us decide on what's going on here (laughs) uh and you just seem to be really drawn to it and like the first thing that you said to me about the commentary i thought was so insightful from where you were sitting and your experience as a new watcher that i was like oh there's we there's something here yeah, they so most of the stuff I've seen firsthand has been live with you guys where I don't get the benefit of commentary other than leaning over to one of you and saying, all right, what's going on? <laughs> um, but the stuff that you guys have watched that I've kind of been privy to or like, you know, been in the same room while you were doing episode research has been mostly New Japan mm-hmm. commentary, which is fun, too, for me. 
but it's like they're very much like they are fans and like are talking as like invested fans whereas the commentary here is these are fans who are talking to people to introduce them to what's going on yeah i think that the way that this commentary is set up it's a lot more like um it, it's a lot more like a reality show or something like that, like a reality competition show type commentary to me rather than uh, the wrestling that we watch. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think you're right that it's it's set up very specifically to introduce this world to an audience because something that is interesting to me about Lucha Underground is that it's one of the only things that we watch besides WWE that is a fully fictionalized universe that needs world building in the same way. Um, because you know, we watch new Japan or ring of honor or something like that. And those promotions, obviously like the wrestling is fake, but the, the way that it's presented is not as like a self-contained universe with its own sort of lore and mythology. It shares in the lore and mythology of just wrestling in general. And it assumes that fans sort of are relatively familiar with that. Whereas like this is introducing to everybody. The other reason I think it's like that is because this is edited for television. It's not a live event. And Mm. so I think that they, probably do some ADR on commentary to make sure that they're getting across the stuff they need to get across. Well, to tack on to your point, I just kind of scanned the wiki page for Lucha Underground before recording this. Mm -hmm. Um, Mark Burnett is the producer for the show. And for you guys and for the listeners, if you don't know who Mark Burnett is, Mark Burnett is the guy who created Survivor. Mm -hmm. He created Shark Tank. He created The Apprentice. Um, He is a super producer, basically, for of a lot of uh, of a lot of shows, not just reality shows, but a lot of them. Um, But I just listed those three because those are like such big tent poles in reality television. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and then he produced this, so like he knows how to make. Survivor, I've never actually seen. I've heard Survivor is actually an incredible reality show. And not in the incredible way that, like, Vanderpump Rules is or, like, The Bachelorette is. Not in that funny way, but is a genuinely good, compelling show. And so he knows how to make sure something is digestible for an audience. And this the Lucha Underground airs on the El Rey Network. So... They want to make sure that if an, if an American tunes in, they can immediately understand it and digest it. And I think that's where Mark's guidance comes in very well. And you also notice that this is Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. So speaking to that point, one of my favorite things about Lucha Underground is that it is an hour, <laughs> which I think I think televised wrestling should be like an hour. I think it should be an hour, maybe an hour and a half. NXT is also an hour, which I think is, that's all you need. 205 Live is... 205 Live is on the network, so it doesn't air like this stuff does, but it's short too. To me, 205 Live airs on Hulu. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I just feel like that's all, like, I, I don't think... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about this, Nate, but I'd imagine if these were like two hours long, you probably wouldn't have started watching them as much. No, definitely not. It's <laughs> what I like about this is like by virtue of like how long the episodes are, the like level of you know who they tap on or what they reference. Like all of it is like limited scope. Yeah, which is great for me. It's like somebody who's intimidated by like 
like I said, like there's so much history to professional wrestling where it's like if you're talking about any particular person, it's like, oh, well, you know, four years ago, like he and so and so used to tag together and this and this. But like with this, like all of this, the drama, all of the like history is contained in the show. Yeah. And um, this kind of goes back a little bit, but Robert Rodriguez being involved in this, I think is really cool because so Robert Rodriguez to me, his filmmaking, he's a good filmmaker. He's made some really good movies. Like once upon a time in Mexico is great. Um, Love spy kids. (laughs) Sure. He's, he's a little cheesy for me. Like it's a little, Oh, he's very corny. Yeah. It's a little cornball, but for wrestling, I feel like it works perfectly. And I, um, interviewed him for when I worked in TV and I went to his studio. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. And see, like seeing the temple, the set for this and everything, it's very Robert Rodriguez and I think it works so well. And it especially works well because he is a filmmaker who is very invested in... Um, Mexican and Mexican-American identity and Mm -hmm. that's like such a big part of this show um so I just think it's it's such a smart thing for him to be like I want to do a wrestling show yeah I think the the aesthetic works so well um and then yeah it's it's just incredibly digestible and entertaining like I think this is a perfect thing I mean we have some listeners at this point if you're listening to this show and you don't watch wrestling like wow good on you because shout out to Shannon (laughs) there are a couple (laughs) people who've been like oh yeah I like your show I don't even watch wrestling if you wanted to start I think this would be a great thing to start with oh for sure I'm saying that as someone who has not been (laughs) invested in wrestling at all like yeah this is a fun show to watch it's if you want an easy intro you won't find one easier than this (laughs) yeah and uh, I think to speaking to that, like, fact that everything is contained within the show, like all of the mythology and everything, I like that it is so over the top and crazy. Like the thing that people compare this to a lot is that it's a telenovela, right? It's a right, tel- right. wrestling telenovela. Yeah, absolutely. And so like, there's a dude that's literally a dragon. There's a dude that uh, is uh, like an Aztec prince from the barrio like there's all this corny <laughs> stuff but i just feel like it it works really well i don't know yeah i just it just it's very it's super funny um and i just think the the self-contained universe like the reason this show exists is because i was like there's too much lore the reason people are afraid to get into it is because there's too much lore so that's a perfect point that you guys are making in terms of where it uh how how it's easy for the audience anyway I want to talk about the space it's in too. I this is just nerdy bullshit, and I don't think anybody has to like. You can roll your eyes at this if you want, uh, listeners and Rachel and Nate. But I think it's really cool that they call it the temple. Um, as like, I studied religion in college, like that was my major, and I feel like there's something to the ring, the wrestling ring as like a sacred space that is very interesting to me. Cause like, you know, like the whole thing about the, the div- dividing line sort of between the sacred and the profane in religion is you have to go through this sort of liminal period. Um, often there's some kind of purification or some kind of spiritual transformation that you undergo when you go from 
the profane world to the sacred world. And I feel like with wrestling, like the ring serves as like a sacred space in that way. Because like you go from being a regular person to you have to put on all this special gear and you have to come out and do your special entrance and then you get into the ring and then you perform, you know, this ritual. And they call the audience on this believers. That's what the commentary keeps saying about the audience. They're like, oh, the believers in the temple are going nuts. I just think it's like, we've joked about how wrestling is a death cult before. I mean, we also sincerely touched on this in the Daniel Bryan episode where we talk about like the WrestleMania sign as like the divine. As a relic. Yeah. As a relic, yeah. And also just the way the... Um, venue is set up so they the wrestlers enter at the top and then they walk down these stairs to uh get to the ring and uh it, they remind me of the steps at the temple mayor in in uh mexico city like the big oh that's probably what they were going for i don't know but that's just what i that's at least what i think of i um, mean this is a very specifically designed set and yeah. like we love, we love Queta's office being right off of the ring. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah, one thing I think is really interesting. There's really only three total places that you see in the show. Yeah, and it's the ring itself. It's this sort of like nebulous, like external locker room area where you see like the occasional interview or like character backstory of them, like you know, punching a punching bag while they talk about. <laughs> their tragic backstory and then <laughs> like you've dishwasher. got the opposite of the divine which is dario's office yeah you know he's the the devil that you make deals with yeah and so like there is this kind of like you know struggle between good and evil i mean that's kind of the crux of all wrestling stories it's all storytelling but it's really spelled out in this like almost religious way of the temple and then the devil underneath it yeah that's cool i didn't Ooh, even think about I that think thank about you that for I... making me seem smarter <laughs> <laughs> that's a really cool point i i really like uh Queta as so if you haven't seen the show and you're listening Queta is like the commissioner and he's, he's their vince yeah he's like the vince and he's so slimy and great and like evil and yeah he has this like office where they shoot these vignettes where he's just like wheeling and dealing and I just think he's great. I really like Queta because Queta is clearly is clearly them being like how do we make an evil commissioner and they looked at Vince McMahon and said okay <laughs> we have to lean into all of that we cannot remotely make him likable we can't have him have any sympathy and he just sucks and they did it super well I love that in every episode, he's like, undercut this man for my promotion. Tear his head off. And it's like, just fire him. You're the commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. His, his motivations are so unclear. He's, he's a man with tons of money, just like stacks of bills. It's never a check. It's always like coming out of a suitcase. I, and he's, he's just like, he's like, I need more violence. Like, I'm paying you to like fight someone. And like, well, can't you just pay all of them to fight each other <laughs> it's un like it's shady for sure it's you know that he's a bad guy but it's like very unclear it's like all right well can't you just have them wrestle <laughs> yeah like, you're paying this guy to fight this guy but like you're also ostensibly paying all of them right right like 
It's so it's so weird. Well, there's I, there's drama in the early episodes, which are not the ones we focused on for this, where they're all competing for a hundred thousand dollars, and like he keeps undercutting Johnny Johnny Mundo because Johnny Mundo keeps winning, and he's like, "No, you don't get it." Yeah, the very first episode, uh, he's it's like the whole thing is like this tournament. He's like, "Oh yeah, come and whoever wins is gonna get this prize." And then at the last minute, I think it's Johnny Mundo yeah. who's about to take it home. And then Big Rick and the crew show up <laughs> and just kick the crap out of him and take the suitcase. <laughs> and it's the sort of thing where it's like, like, I love it. It's it's great. It's a great dramatic twist. But it's it's so needlessly, pointlessly evil. That it's- <laughs> Well, because it's already like wrestling is a work, right? So they're selling us this world where it's 100% real and these self-contained things. But what I also like about it is that, yes, it is a self-contained, fully fictionalized universe, but they make references to other wrestlers who are real and not a fictionalized universe kind of nonstop. Like they mention Zack Sabre Jr. They mention X-Pac. They mention, uh, I want to say they mention um, uh, Suzuki at one point. And like they make mention of all these other guys. I think they say Kevin Steen at one point, which always makes me smile whenever people call him Kevin Steen. Um, uh, but so it's, it's very funny to like draw unintentionally make it like when they reference a movie in another movie and be like, okay, so like, does that exist in this world? Right. Like if, if he comes on the show, what is that? Who is he? Yeah. Is he like real. I do want to say like about one more thing about Queta, like where his motivations are so unclear, but the first thing I saw, the first thing we watched, so Rachel and Nate had watched a little bit of other stuff, but the first thing we watched specifically for this episode was the Aztec Warfare episode, which is basically a Royal Rumble. And the very first shot of that is Queta in the ring going, I love violence. <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay, his motivation is just violence. And I apologize if this is insensitive, but I can't stop going, violence. <laughs> yeah, he, he comes out in that beginning of that episode and he's like, He's like, as he usually does, he's like, this is a temple. My temple. <laughs> and the audience immediately starts booing him. And he's like, he's like, we're going to do this new thing that I invented called Aztec Warfare, which is just a royal rumble. And they, I also really they like that. that too. Like the idea that he's taking credit for it. I really like that as like a bad guy move to claim you invented like a rumble is so funny. <laughs> he invented calling it Aztec Warfare. Thank you. But I mean, it's just the their version of a rumble is actually good well it's great i mean the people on our discord and and listeners who've we've asked about this said like just start with that episode yeah um because it introduces everybody i mean it it does a great job of that and another thing i think is really interesting about this show is that um it so it's called lucha underground and it is definitely um there's a lot of uh like mexican and mexican-american um culture represented within it it's filmed in Boyle Heights which is like a Hispanic neighborhood um you know it's there are a lot of Mexican luchadors on it it's like there's a lot of that stuff in it but it also is trying to introduce elements of lucha libre to an American audience Mm -hmm. so even as it has this like very 
self-contained like Robert Rodriguez universe with these like very cinematic promos and all that stuff. It's also bringing us this stuff that isn't in American wrestling. Like you have the Exoticos, yeah, who are, um, like Pimpinela Escarlita, who's uh, which is Spanish for the Scarlet Pimpernel, which is kind of funny to me. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, kind of a completely different character, but. <laughs> But, you know, Pimpinella is a really good name. They keep calling her Pimpy or he. I'm not sure about the pronouns for Exoticos. I don't know either. Commentary all used he. Yeah. But I don't know. Commentary isn't always woke. Um. Although Vampiro has been consistently the woke Yeah, I really like Vampiro as the face commentator. (laughs) Yeah, so it's Vampiro and Matt Stryker. And that, like, is something you said that you really like their commentary. Yeah, so Matt Stryker is, like, the, like, the jerk guy he's like if i had to compare it it's like mxc uh he's the kenny blankenship to vampiro's vic romano like he's he's the guy who's like making inappropriate comments and like vampiro's like come on dude do your job yeah. like uh, when, um, I, I do want to say for our listeners i was very excited when i got to show nate a picture of what vampiro used to look like <laughs> when he wrestled um i watched an episode of wcw where he was accompanied to the ring by insane clown posse so just google vampiro if you don't know one of my dream episodes was would be to have both vampiro and murder brian on <laughs> That would rule. I would love to see those two interact. <laughs> Brian would just be like like a teenage girl meeting Britney Spears in 1999. Yeah, I Brian feel. gets very nervous around wrestlers, and it's very cute. It's very cute. Like, Tim does, too. Tim asked me. I how, mean, I do, too. Tim but... asked me how to meet wrestlers, and I was like, Tim, didn't you, like, found a promotion? <laughs> but it that is, like, a big uh, part of Lucha Libre. Like, that, that is... Exoticos have been you know, that's an established trope in Mexican wrestling, which we don't see in other stuff that often. Yeah. So we've got Pimpy and then you've got Mascarita. Yeah, the little person wrestler. Yeah. And in every match that I've watched so far with this, like the person or people fighting them have always been cast as kind of the villain. Like Vampiro says something he's like he's like, it's not about like how you look or like what your what orientation your race is, is or orientation like it's about what's in your heart and like they like very much showcase like how great and skilled they are like yes these people are like legitimate parts of our organization oh mascarita is a great wrestler he like, flies he <laughs> seriously so good soars through the ring it's i think what drew me to this is when we watched mascarita's entrance on episode 5 and you said wait hold on, do you hear that? And I said, what are you talking about? And you made me listen to Mascarita's entrance theme, and we realized it's the opening song to Nathan For You. (laughs) And, like, I don't know if that's his entrance theme every time, but we were like, yup, that is the the music to Nathan For You, and we were dying laughing. (laughs) It's funny, because I think... Based on what I've seen, I think that they just didn't have a music licensing budget because this is like, again, we keep talking about how sort of dramatic and over the top it is, but the wrestlers' entrances are not particularly dramatic. Yeah, they just kind of show up. And I think that's because they don't have like real entrance music. (laughs) So Masquerade Sagrada is entering to probably a very cheap or public domain uh, Nathan For You theme. (laughs) Um, But that's other thing. So Exoticos are a big part of... 
uh, Lucha Libre tradition. And like, they are often comic relief and Pimpy is often comic relief trying to kiss people and everything, but they are like a respected and established trope. Similarly to, um, mini Estrellas, the little, little people wrestling is like a pretty longstanding tradition in Lucha Libre. And it is not for comedy. It's, that is like a division of wrestling that can be, you know, it can be funny just like, you know, uh, taller wrestling people. Right. right. Like it can be anything. It can be, um, but yeah, I like, I don't know. I'm a little split on how I feel about the commentary. always doing that. I think it means well, but it's also like, I wish you guys could be like a little cooler about it. I know they probably can't be like, it's probably better to veer into, Hey, just so everyone knows, these people are important and good wrestlers and it doesn't matter who you are. But I also feel a little weird about it because I feel like it happens every time they're wrestling. I <laughs> would it's agree, like- but having watched a lot of these episodes, like they spell everything out. That's a very yeah. good point. Like, yeah. like Prince Puma gets reintroduced and re-explained <laughs> every single episode because yeah. he is their like showcase star. He's the future of Lucha, they keep For saying. For the listeners who don't know, Prince Puma is Ricochet. Yes. <laughs> so what was also very funny, again, and again, exemplary of how much of this flies out of Nate's head once he's done producing. He was like, <laughs> oh, that's Prince Puma. He's so good. And I was like, that's Ricochet. And he said, who? And I said, do you remember the Velveteen Dream episode? And he said, sort of. And I had to explain to him who Ricochet was and that that was Ricochet and that Velveteen Dream was wearing his pants and stuff. Yeah, these are the was, pants from these that are the pants. And he was like, oh. Yeah, and that's, once again, it was a visual cue because I remember yeah. you watching and I remember him wearing those pants. I was like, oh yeah, oh, there's the connection. <laughs> and then they... The second I explained to him who Ricochet was and who Prince Puma was, he immediately they immediately go into the bullshit story of who Prince Puma is, and it made us laugh so hard <laughs> because they're like found in the barrio. He was this nothing fighting yeah. for his yeah, life, fighting, fighting for his for life his on life. the streets. <laughs> on the streets in the barrio, we rescued him, and then his trainer. And I, all, what I also love about this show is that every trainer is an old man with a cane. Conan, the like. <laughs> boxing coach looking guy yeah with the like newsboy cap (laughs) (laughs) but it's 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 really funny and then they try and they they do dna testing on him and he's the son of aztec warriors the the fiercest aztec tribe (laughs) (laughs) actually (laughs) so let's talk about some of the actual wrestling we watched for this we started with aztec warfare and then we watched uh the two or three episodes after that yeah yeah, yeah. So the Aztec Warrior was, is it, it's one versus 19, I think they describe it as. It was like one versus 22 or something like that, that it evened out to be, I think. It was ni- it was 19, but it was like a weird way of describing it, where yeah. it's like, it's not one versus 19, it's kind of one versus one versus one versus right. one versus It's 20 people <laughs> yeah. all together. Yeah. It, the way they originally kind of made it sound was it's like, one guy has to go through a gauntlet. Which, I mean, sort of. Yeah, kind if, of. If he wants to win, but like <laughs> the the other 19 are not working together. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. It was an odd way to describe it, but I didn't mind it at all. I um, The 90 seconds, I thought, was pr- a very smart device because like we've seen a couple versions of Rumbles at this point where they have them enter every 30. They have them ever enter... In WWE, it's like the most worked two minutes of all time or <laughs> however long the space is. Um, the clusterfuck, I feel like, actually was 
I don't actually know what the claim for yeah, that. I don't remember. <laughs> it also barely counted. I think it counted the least out of any of them. But this this is good. Uh, it starts off with, uh, who was the number one seed? Phoenix. Phoenix, that's right. And Phoenix gets pretty far, but like that's usually expected of the number one guy. Yeah. And Phoenix, we got to see in person... Yes. Yeah, we saw him at MLW a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, we great. saw him and Pentagon Jr. Yeah. Fun fact, I don't know if they talked about this, they are brothers. Oh. They're like no, they have brothers. In, in this, they are not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it starts with Phoenix and Johnny Mundo and then... Uh, Who we've also seen live. Yes. Um, very handsome live. Yeah, he's a babe. Yeah. The fir- one of the first wrestling shows I ever went to, he was on. And uh, the woman sitting next to me was like a huge fan of his and was like screaming her head off. And he took his shirt off and threw it at her and she made me smell it. That, I love sisterhood. Right? You know? Uh, I felt like really accepted as a wrestling fan when uh, the crazy Johnny Mundo fan made me smell his shirt. Yeah. It, smelled, it smelled pretty good. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the like narrative that they give like Vampiro and I guess both the commentators are like not sold on Johnny Mundo because of his ego Yeah, is apparently a problem. <laughs> but like he lasts so long that they're like, you know, you got to respect him, brother. <laughs> I think I love that. That's clearly because he's hot. <laughs> his ego exists because he's, uh, well, he's got pretty. this like, like flashy, like black and silver, like, yeah, he's got kind a lot of, of grommets on his gear. Yeah. yeah. He's like a fun... The Most of the times I've seen him, he's played like a cocky heel guy. Yeah. And it is like... It's we talked about this on our Adam Cole episode. Like if you're if you're handsome, that's a a fun way to go. Like it's yeah. a pretty easy like I'm hot, so I'm like a jerk. I think <laughs> what helps it for me, none of these dudes have wet hair. <laughs> no, that's a really good point. That is a very good point. <laughs> so like no one's like oily. Yeah. So like Sorry, when Johnny Adam. Mundo comes out and he's like, Oh wow, like that dude's got great hair. Not nah, I'd hate to get whipped in the face with that greasy looking hair. <laughs> The wettest thing on this show is whatever's in Drago's mouth. Yeah, we had a long discussion <laughs> last night when we were watching about what is in his mouth and does he eat it? He definitely <laughs> eats it. It's like it it's like a I get is it supposed to be a tongue? Yeah, I think so. But it's like a gelatiny goopy blue black slime i don't know it's not gum we've been like we just rehashing this if anyone knows it's like it's some I sort of gelatin i think guess. it's fruit by the foot i think it is black it's wet, fruit by though. the foot yeah. it's chewed up fruit by the foot like if you but just it's slurp like it tongue. and take it out it's in a tongue shape yeah, he, it's not just like a god like it's like a lizard tongue but it's the big question gross. is does he eat it does he swallow it right before the match starts or does he hold that in his mouth i think he has like a like a like a bucket <laughs> no i think he i think he cut. eats it i'm pretty sure he eats it i yeah. think he eats it and that's why i think it is infused with like protein i think it's like it's pre-workout it's like yeah it's a pre-workout in a tongue mold because we saw <laughs> we saw it. him too yeah at that same him. show yeah he's so and fun he did live. the tongue thing live because i was like when i saw him on the show this was one of the first few times when i was like Oh, I recognize this person from something. Yeah. I was like, I hope he does the tongue thing. (laughs) It's so funny because like you said you're a visual learner, like you retain things that you see. And wrestling is such a visual medium. I feel like 
our podcast is like the worst possible way for you to get into wrestling. <laughs> it works for some people, but like, it's so I'm, funny. I'm good with visuals. So I'm just bad with names. Yeah. So yeah. that's why there's like frog guy and like, like Jared tongue 2 PM. guy. Jared 2 p.m. Jared 2 p.m. Like, is your magnum I have opus. a vague idea. If I, if you like, let me draw it for you, you'd be like, oh, you know who you're talking about. Please draw wrestlers. <laughs> we'll put it on the Patreon. I don't want to take Elby's spotlight. That's, well, yeah, that's true. That's very true. I, I think, was going to say something mean about your artistic abilities and just say, well, LB like draws better probably, but that's very rude. It's <laughs> absolutely true. Though. I feel like if you and LB were to be challenged to draw the same wrestlers, that could be really fun. Very different interpretation okay. of that. Yeah. It would be nice. <laughs> but anyway, to go back to this, uh, we, Drago has the tongue pre-workout. Um, you also have Prince Puma enters pretty early on and like, maybe this is me being a smart. It probably is. It's like they enter and it's like, oh, I know who the final two are. Yeah. I feel like Prince Puma enters at the like seven and it's like he enters at a spot where it's like the guy who's going to win is going to enter here because you can't have the guy unless it's a heel. You can't have the guy who wins come in late yeah. because it's like, oh, well, you didn't really beat everybody. You just got you know, luck of the draw, fresh start. Yeah. So like the guy who wins has to come in relatively early, but maybe not first or second. So I feel like that's like, cause that you want like the big pop of like, Oh, the big face that we all love is coming in. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, uh, I didn't know how this ended, but also knowing, just knowing Ricochet and how good he is and that he was Prince Puma. I was like, he's probably going to win. Yeah. Yeah, I um I thought what was gonna happen is that Mundo was gonna win, but they were gonna undercut him at the last second. Mm. If it had been a different guy, they would have. Because Mundo was the one who the crew beat up, right? Right. Well, the crew. Tell me about the crew. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Cueto has we see in the very first episode, he's like at this like this contest of like whoever is the like beats the rest of the competition gets uh, I think it's a hundred thousand dollars. Is it like a tournament? Sort of. I don't know. It's just kind of an excuse for like, this is why people are showing up because there's this prize. <laughs> Fair enough. And um, Johnny Mundo makes it to the end and it's like, oh, he's going to hand over the suitcase. But then this, the crew shows up. Have are, we met the crew yet at this point? No, They're up foreign until, to us. Up until this point, we have not seen them. Okay. And then Cueto, he's got uh, three regular hired goons and then one giant hired goon named Big named Rick. Big Rick. <laughs> Who just smokes a Dutch on the yeah, stairs yeah. in one of the episodes we it's watched. It's not a good cigar. They go out of their way to say it's a Dutch. <laughs> so he's got these like these like company men who beat up Johnny Mundo unfairly and then he hands them the suitcase. So like, yeah, Qu- like Cueto's whole thing is like, like giving money to people who don't deserve it, I guess, <laughs> is like his most evil quality. But yeah, they're, they're these guys who like play dirty. They're like... The commentators go out of their way to say, like, they're not traditional lucha wrestlers. Like, these are street fighters. Like, they are tough and they, like, do not play by the rules and they are all on one team. We've talked about in, like, one of our first episodes the uh, Brian Quimby theory of wrestling is the story of a good guy who respects wrestling and a bad guy who disrespects wrestling and the crew disrespect wrestling. Right. The crew's gear is really funny to me because it's basically like if you asked a Fox News commentator, what does a Latin king wear? Yeah. 
It's but very stereotypical. It's very like, stereotypical. LA gang dude. Yeah, photos. but I what I like about it is with the long shorts, it means they can put on all the protective gear underneath <laughs> and that they're fine. It's just, it makes me happy for their knees. Um, <laughs> but it's, the gear is really funny. You always know when a member of the crew is in the ring, because even if you don't remember their face, you know by their outfit. Um, Big Rick is the funniest villain. <laughs> and you know he's a villain because he's wearing square-toed shoes. Big Rick. I like that it's spelled with a Y. Yeah, I feel like yeah. that's important. Br- Big Rick Beck. <laughs> and he is Rick massive. Beck. He stands a good He's very big. He's a big boy. Than pretty much anybody else in the ring. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, most of the time you see Big Rick, he's just looming, <laughs> which is like the looming threat of him is like what's important. Yeah. It's yeah. like in a Godzilla movie how like the giant monster doesn't usually show up until like the last act. Yeah. You know, Ooh. like the first two acts are all like shit like Godzilla's coming there's some weird stuff on the the radar like we all know Big Rick is going to put down his cigar at some point (laughs) and clock somebody but but that's not as important as like the threat the looming threat of Big Rick yeah and I think that's a really good example of the way that this show is produced differently than a lot of things that we watch so we watch um, and this is like purely because a what we have access to and be my tastes as like like (laughs) the more smarky person. We watch a lot of stuff that is very focused on the wrestling first and the actual in ring wrestling is sort of the main draw of what you're looking at. Lucha underground is very different to me. The wrestling is really good and it's really entertaining, but the wrestling serves the story right. rather than any kind of story serving the wrestling. So the fact that you have a character like Big Rick who sort of, he is more evocative than he is actually active. That in this show works really, really well. And I think it's, again, we talk about this sometimes with WWE. Like it seems like WWE is trying to be cinematic, but like is produced by a crazy old man who like <laughs> who has never seen a movie <laughs> yeah who is like very dumb and weird and this is produced by someone who a someone who really understands televised entertainment mm-hmm. with uh, survivor and things like that and b somebody with a very um specific cinematic viewpoint and this is a very cinematic show like the promos are very cinematic it's very um atmospheric i i feel like the the wrestling fits into that sort of tapestry that it is creating. It is not the main part necessarily. Yeah. It's, I mean, the whole thing is obviously scripted, but the fact that it's produced by somebody who works in reality TV, like it's interesting that they like suss out the storylines in a, in a similar way. Yeah. Yeah. Because like the same way reality TV is like, you know, there's a lot of interference in there. Like, the producers like work very hard to like make things go a certain way and get the right characters in the right spots at the right time. But like they do this the same way. Whereas like, if you're going to believe that this is real, we need to have a reality show style lens to like tell the story that that same way. Right. I mean, we've made the comparison between reality TV and oh, wrestling on the show yeah. m- many times. Yeah. I mean, when we watch Total Divas, we talked about it a lot. We talk. I talk about Vanderpump too much. Uh, <laughs> never. Never. But yeah, so I think it's interesting that WWE tries to do similar stuff, but what they end up with are these like big budget promos versus telling a reality show style story. 
Their yeah. approach to storytelling is just not the same, and that's why the There's product is so different. More, ex- it's all exposition. I also think part of that is how much time WWE has to fill. Mm. Like they do one three-hour show and one two-hour show a week, just main roster. And then they do big pay-per-views that are like four hours long, like once or twice a month. So they have so much content to produce. And also, again, the people running it, I feel like don't really have a particularly strong uh, brain for narrative continuity. (laughs) But like this, I think being an hour, being pre-taped, WWE also like their weekly shows are, I believe they're both live. I know Raw is live. SmackDown was pre-taped for a while. I think they're both live now. Like the fact that you can, this is a very produced product in a way that, WWE to me is not as like more of a live thing. There's a lot of different sort of structural reasons for the difference, Mm. but I much prefer this. I much prefer Lucha Underground. If Lucha Underground had the budget for WWE's entrances, it would be the perfect show for you. Yeah, it would be great. I mean, like the entrances are clearly taped, not live. You think? Well, when Sexy Star enters, she enters from the side through smoke in a cloak. Like, there's certain things that are clearly like, all right, they shot this at a different time. That you can, uh, I will say this, this that's because I'm a film dweeb, and that's not because it's, like, poorly done. Mm-hmm. You can just kind of tell. Um, but I think that that's just, it's just, like, a mark of, like, that it's a well-edited show. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, I really like the above ring angle. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. And that's something that I've noticed in the Lucha that I've watched. In mm-hmm. CMLL, they have an above camera. Yeah. I really like that. It's so useful for you as like a, as a, as somebody viewing it. Um, but I really, uh, I also really like there's intergender wrestling and that's, it's really well done because we've talked about how we like intergender before. And then we've had listeners reach out and be like, here's why intergender wrestling has made me slightly uncomfortable. Um, and it's hard to have a woman heel in intergender wrestling because then it's like, this is, this is, this, this could go really nasty. They've had woman heels on this show and it works. It doesn't make me feel uncomfortable in terms of like a man beating up a woman um and it doesn't it's like even if I don't feel that way if I pause and say hey could this make somebody else feel uncomfortable I don't find it so I think that's another point to its merit is that like you can have intergender wrestling with a woman heel and it doesn't go down an icky road I like that the intergender wrestling here um is based on credible feuds like it's not just we're gonna have a man fight a woman it's like Chavo Guerrero and Sexy Star have beef yeah. you know like there's actual like stakes to it in yeah. that way which I like and I feel like again as someone who is sort of philosophically pro intergender wrestling as like taking women wrestlers seriously like yeah you should be able to have uh a real feud like you would two wrestlers of the same gender in an intergender context. And that shouldn't change the ability to tell that story. And I feel like they do that pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've granted, I think only got what two women in in the stable kind of stinks. I mean, it's great. They're doing intergender, but it's like you're doing intergender because you only have two women. (laughs) We're still, we're still on season one. Like maybe that changes. That's true. Yeah. But Um, also, by the way, we we're going to get a, 
ats about this on Twitter. We know Sexy Star's a piece of shit. Just putting that out there. <laughs> She's bad. Fuck her. Yeah, we got, okay. the, we got the crash course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The yeah. Um, I also, I love Chavo Guerrero on Jr. on this because he just, he shows up and they're like, this son with a lot of honor is here. And then he just turns into an asshole who's constantly hitting people with chairs. <laughs> so some of the stuff that you guys might have missed from the earlier episodes, when we first see Chavo Guerrero Jr., yeah, they come out, it's him and I think it's Blue Demon Jr., and they're kind of talking about the legacy that both of them have. And they have like a pretty basic, like fair fight. But then he like snaps afterwards. And his whole thing is just hitting people with chairs. <laughs> There's an episode where he comes out and just like beats down like five or six different people in the ring with a chair for no conceivable reason. Hell yeah. And he puts Blue Demon Jr. like, like in a neck brace. Like they have to carry him off. And like he's just very mad about something but for the life of me it's unclear what but i still like i love it i'm i'm so it's glad that there's this guy whose whole thing is like i want to make a name for myself even though i have this fam- like important family yeah. name attached to me and he's done nothing but be a piece of shit <laughs> that's how you do it did you know who chavo guerrero was before watching this only because you had played that mountain goat song <laughs> That's uh, that's. I was like, my, I recognize this name. Yeah, that's said. that was my segue. Um, yeah, because he's my. I literally first learned who he was because of a mountain goat song, and then I googled him years ago. Uh, and he's cool. I would love to do a full Chavo Guerrero episode. Well, someday. yeah, the Guerrero family is like a big yeah. wrestling dynasty, and I think this is an interesting segue into then. Uh, we wanted to talk about Brian Cage a little bit because <laughs> Brian Cage comes out and is like Chavo Guerrero he's sort of turned heel against his family legacy but that family legacy is still like very much a part of that character and then Brian Cage is debuts in uh the episode after Aztec Warfare that we watched and is framed by the commentators as sort of the antithesis of everything Lucha is about which I think is like a very fun uh character to have in a show that seems to be a lot about introducing lucha to people who don't know about it to have this anti-lucha guy yeah they don't like they don't put a label on it but he very much is like a stand-in for like the stereotypical wwe type guy oh yeah he's the wwe avatar in full yeah like he's not a lucha style fighter he's like a big dude who throws you around he's got so much juice he in comes his out veins. and he's like you know why they call me cage it's because i'm not a man i'm a machine which, <laughs> which doesn't make sense yeah <laughs> like, like even by the definition of like simple machines like a cage does not fit any of those <laughs> cage is not a machine that's not a thing. The cage is not a machine. A hot dog <laughs> might be a sandwich. He does it twice. He like has a sit-down interview with Vampiro where he spells it out. He's like, he's like, yeah, when people get in the ring with me and you think they're going to be like, oh, they feel like they're trapped in a cage. No, I'm a machine. I'm a machine. <laughs> Do you notice his entrance music says that when he comes out? Yes. He goes, I'm a machine. <laughs> so stupid. I love that he is basically like somebody said, make Wolverine from x-men real and they did it oh yeah he's got the chops he's got the chops he's got like the insane traps on his neck i just like i wonder i wonder what his body looked like before drugs (laughs) (laughs) yeah like what would he look like if he were not a professional wrestler like you know what i mean still be a physically large man 
I truly don't know. Drugs are amazing. <laughs> we <laughs> we can, love drugs. We can do a lot with them. Uh, but he cracks me up. We're uh, we're gonna see him wrestle PCO later today, right? Yeah, we are. It's uh, a bonus ep. Plug for the bonus app. Uh, we're going to be doing a bonus episode about our time in American Rana. So American Rana. Okay. Check that out. <laughs> Can we talk about King Cuerno's entrance gear with the deer head? Yes. It's so good. He wears like a full deer head on his head. Like a taxidermy deer head. Like a real. Yeah. Yeah. With like a deer cape. And it's so good. And it's so funny. And Drago's whole look is that essentially he's the ice guy he's the ice demon from game of thrones i'm sorry i don't know the names of anyone he's the, yeah he's like the ice dragon yeah he's yeah. an ice dragon so it basically looks like true detective versus game of thrones which is great <laughs> um but they both have just like such signature looks like we already talked about drago's weird mouth thing but they're so distinct looking and they just like they're the the feud is so good and it also has i would say we talked about how the in-ring stuff doesn't really like that's not like the end-all be-all of the show there is a standout thing in this feud that we watch that is like a holy shit moment where drago jumps off the top of the temple is what they say but he he jumps off the top of the office yeah and it ends in a draw because they both he landed really hard on him yeah it's a double count out which yeah. is kind of fun we don't see a lot of those in the stuff we watch again like because we watch so much uh like new japan and uh you know occasionally like noah and stuff like that the there's like much more of an emphasis on clean finishes in mm. those whereas like in my experience, again, we've sort of shied away from talking about um, a sort of quote unquote actual lucha in this episode because we I don't know a lot about it. But from what I've watched, I've watched the Friday night CMLL shows sometimes and like they do a lot of dirty finishes and weird like stupid fuck finishes and stuff. And uh, I really enjoy it, especially as because we watch so much stuff that is very straight, straight and narrow. I like a weird finish. It's fun. I, yeah. And like, we also kind of want to make this clear. That this is not our Lucha episode. This is our yeah. Lucha underground yeah, yeah, episode. Sure. Uh, and I'm excited to get into Lucha at whatever point that I do, but this has been like a wonderful, wonderful intro. And like every, all the characters are so fun. There's a guy named Aerostar that I was like, is he a van? What's going on there? Oh yeah, he's from from the cosmos. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, one of the things that they like haven't shied away from is like the cornier stuff, where it's like Drago's comes from the underworld. Yeah. And uh, they've got Mil Muertes, the Thousand Deaths. I love Mil Muertes. Whose he's tragic so fun. backstory was an episode that I watched that you guys didn't see. He was in some sort of, I think it was like an earthquake or something, <laughs> some sort of building collapse for some reason and he was trapped under rubble at age nine and he was like was like on the brink of death and he realized like i like i like this <laughs> and then like so like his story is that from age nine and up he's just been like some sort of like death obsessed murder machine yeah i like that the, in this world like magic is real like yeah. wrestling is real and magic is real those but concepts seem to go, be complementary they don't me. seem to have combined yet which i think is fun i i feel like they will i think it'll get there i i just like because you said so mil muertes has like a, a manager character with him yeah and katarina she, katarina and she carries like a piece of the rock that like fell on him or something. Yeah, she's got this like I don't know if it's a cloth or a satchel, 
but like she'll like bring it out before his matches and he like caresses it and I guess it like powers his like love of killing. <laughs> so the Cuerno and uh, Drago match is like like semi supernatural. So Drago is this like fighting like animal. Yeah. Whereas uh, King Cuerno is this like methodical hunter. It's very like alien versus predator. Mm. Of like one is like this like calculating one, and they like talk about like oh he's toying with his prey, like he gets off on this. And Drago is like fighting for survival. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I especially like with King Cuerno because he's the hunter. He does this like arrow shooting thing when he's about to. Oh, the the arrow from hell. Yeah, no, I, I wrote. It's- <laughs> The, the arrow from the depths of hell, That's which it. is so funny to me. Like, it's just, again, uh, like the thing we like about wrestling is kind of all of this over the topness and the show has so much of it. It's very fun. I would say that my number one was uh, when Prince Puma wins Aztec warfare and they said he ro- rises to the top of the pyramid the way his ancient Aztec forefathers did. <laughs> it may be cliche, but it happens. And you're like, he's from Kentucky. That, sh- that shitty little Trevor. His uh, name is Trevor, dude. He's not an Aztec warrior. But for the show, it works. And I yeah, also totally. love, I, again, it, what I like about the commentary is that they they say that and then they go, it might be cliche, but it <laughs> happens. Like they're they're introducing a caveat of like, please believe this because it's fun fiction. Right, yeah. Suspend your disbelief and just go on this ride because it's a fun time. Yeah. yeah. So there was like one match where um, where Vampiro mentions Hurricanranas and Frankensteiners, which is apparently the same thing. Yeah. There's no context for that. He just kind of uses it interchangeably and I had to ask you, I was like, so what are the, like, why do they call it that? Yeah. And I feel like that's something, like, the one thing that they don't spell out very clearly is, like, like where are you coming up with these? And, like, maybe they can't. Maybe they can't. Yeah. It's, like, the one spot where I kind of feel out of my depth. I like that the heel commentator is a smart. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, like, the moves, it's just something that you learn the more you watch. Hmm. Like... I've been watching long enough now that I can identify various moves. I also think that with certain things, the commentators need to do it because it's like, okay, well, when this guy does this move, it's called this. This is their signature Mm. move. Like, you know, we talk about with Kenny Omega has the one winged angel and Okada has the rainmaker and you need to, the commentary needs to call those out because it is in service of the character. Um, I don't know how much they would be able to get into like what all of these terms mean. Um, I think it's something that if you're watching wrestling for the first time, my advice would be to try just to sort of not worry about it. Mm. And eventually you'll sort of figure it out through osmosis, but it is confusing when they are calling the same move a bunch of different things. Yeah. In one of the episodes we watched, it was Phoenix versus uh, Prince Puma. And they're like, oh, Phoenix is using one of Prince Puma's own moves on him. Like, that must be like, yeah. you know, such disrespect. And Vampiro takes offense to that. Yeah. He's he's just like, you're getting me heated, man. All moves are stolen. I really liked that as a piece <laughs> of commentary. Just because, like, that's a... that's Well, one, that's a funny thing to say. Two... That's a reference to how much history there is here and not just in Lucha, in all of wrestling. Like, all of this is rooted in, like, carny shit. 
Mm-hmm. So, so for him to kind of acknowledge it in that regard is very funny. I find Vampiro's character and contributions really fascinating because like, um, like his, what is his name? Matt Stryker. Mm-hmm. The like unremarkable one to me. <laughs> Sorry, Matt Stryker. Um, but he like refers to Vampiro as this 400 year or 4,000 year veteran of the business. Yeah. But like Vampiro like says i think it's in the aztec warfare one he's like when i watch this like i turn into a kid like i'm a fan again yeah and like Aww. as scripted and like carefully calculated as this whole thing is like i think he's being serious Aww. and like maybe that's like just me falling for it but maybe like, it's a good but work that's yeah no it's good to fall like for you 100 percent <laughs> believe vampiro is enjoying like watching this and like is a fan of these guys yeah i mean so- i believe it so in conclusion, Vampiro, come on the show, please. Can we get Vampiro and Street Fight Brian? <laughs> I would like Matt Stryker to come on and get into an argument with you now, but that would just be fun to me. Uh, <laughs> in conclusion for now, I think that's our episode, right? Yeah. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this is kind of, like we said, a little bit of a different um, format than our normal episodes. Let us know if you liked it. Uh, if you didn't like it, also let us know, but please be nice about it because our feelings will get hurt if you're a jerk. Um, <laughs> we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleSplania. As I said, we're going to be doing a bonus episode about American Rana, which we're going to later today. Yeah. We have some bonus stuff up there already. We have a Discord. It's a lot of fun. Um, we're WrestleSplania at gmail.com, WrestleSplania on Twitter. Hit us up. Let us know. Give us five stars on iTunes, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, Yeah. Yeah, goat time. Bye.